the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a chase. I think whatever yeah. that inspiration is, you have to be open to chasing that. Totally. And in a chase, it can go anywhere. You can't predict where it's going. Yeah. So you have to be really open-handed on yeah. how that course goes about. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. It is Tuesday afternoon. My name is Aubrey Sampson. Uh, my regular co-host, Brian Fromm, has gone on vacation. And so I just get to bring in my friends all week. Today, I'm joined by someone who you might know. He's been on the show several times. He's an official best friend of the show. He's mm. today's co-host, Mr. Aaron Andrews. <laughs> Aaron Andrews, if you don't know, besides being a friend and a co-worker, mm-hmm. a colleague, if you will, <laughs> is also the lead singer and founder of Graveyard to Gardens, a Chicagoland indie rock band. He's also the worship pastor of a little church called Renewal Church. Hey. Aaron, so glad that you're here with us today. Why don't you, uh, you're, you're going to play us some actual music later, but I feel like we need a little like intro ditty from you. Yeah. Um, Give us a little like moment on the guitar. You got a friend in me. <laughs> you got a friend in me. No, this is too good. <laughs> can we, can we afford that? Can I, can, is this no, gonna come this, we're not going to tell Randy Newman that. Yeah, just yeah. Could you do that just like for two more seconds yeah, sure. for me? I need that life. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Come on. There we go. All right. That was a little a little tease. We'll get more of Aaron singing music later on today. All right, Aaron. Um, I'm going to actually interview you for a few minutes, and then awesome. I want to hear about songwriting. But let's just talk about you as a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about you as a worship pastor in a little bit. But just strictly music, indie rock music. How yeah. did you... How did you even get into music? Wow. Uh, so there was a traveling uh, band in the, my home denomination when I grew up in. They came to Washington, D.C., which is where I'm from. Shout out mom and dad, Jamaica, Guyana in the building. Um, <laughs> they came to my church when I was four years old. And in that moment, I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do with the rest Come of my on. life. And Were they a worship band? No. So they, they did really terrible covers to songs <laughs> that already existed like 15 years prior. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, that's exactly what that's I want to do. What, I do. what about that? Like, got you? I think I was always musical. I was that typical baby that was hitting on pots and pans okay. and that yeah. sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, but up until that point, I hadn't seen that in person. Come on. So here are these cool high school age, yeah. college age kids coming to my church. And I remember the ride to church. I remember the ride home from church. I was four years old. Come on. And that's what I knew. That's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. What a strong memory to have mm-hmm. even as a four-year-old. Yeah. I mean, obviously that like implanted itself in your heart. Mm-hmm. Um did you pick up music? Like, did you pick up playing instruments sure. right after that, or like what happened from there? I was a bit of a late bloomer. Um, I started probably piano lessons when I was eight or nine years old. Okay, which for some people is a little late in life. Is it? It was right on time for me. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd start playing drums when I was twelve. Come on. And I've been playing in church every weekend ever since. Come on. And then uh, we started like a family band with me and my cousins. And uh, my <laughs> older cousin, he was a drummer too. So I was like, there's just no way I can it. do it. Yeah. And so I was like, uh, I'll play the 
guitar. No way. Had never played before in my Come life. Come on. And just kind of figured it out and just fell in love. So you sw- you started with piano, which mm-hmm. I know a lot of musicians do. Absolutely. And then yeah. moved to drums, then mm-hmm. guitar. And are those yeah. your three main instruments still? Yeah, voice and then, you know, I dabble in a little bit of everything. Did you? Okay, so then the singing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When did you realize, like, oh, I'm actually a good singer? Uh, honestly, maybe not until a few years ago. No way. Yeah. I, uh, Say more about that. I never set out to be a singer. I just loved music. I never set out to be a guitar player or anything like that. It was more just a response. And so since Come I was on. in bands and writing songs and playing with people, and I was like, oh, I'll sing. And then I, I really found a love for it maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. Come on. And I've already like recorded records and done all that thing, and toured, and it really didn't sink into me until like a few years ago. Did you get voice training or no? I had a little bit in college. Yeah. Uh, I went to Judson University just right up the street studied from here. Music, studied right? music. Studied music, worship arts, and did voice lessons. I've always loved singing, but I never identified myself as a no singer. No way. Yeah. And you're such a gifted singer. Thank okay, you. so, okay, couple questions. One really practical. Where mm-hmm. can our listeners find, follow you, find your music that you've put out? Right. So wherever, Spotify, Apple Music, that whole thing, you can look up Graveyards to Gardens. We have uh, music f- there since 2016, and uh, we're slowly working on new stuff right now. Yeah, but that's so a bit excited of a process. about that. Uh, and if you want to follow me, just at Aaron Andries on Instagram, Facebook, and then Aaron.Andries on Twitter. We'll make sure to post all that on socials. Okay, yeah. so... Um, you said something that was so interesting to me, Aaron, that you, it wasn't that you set out to call yourself a singer. You're just sort of responding mm-hmm. to this, I guess, a call or an invitation. Sure. Um, have you, th- uh, sometimes on the common good, Brian and I try to talk about calling, like mm-hmm. what does it mean to be called? What doesn't it mean to be called? What have we made it that it shouldn't sure. be? What is it? I'm just curious. Have you thought about do you feel like you were called to music mm-hmm. and then how would you unpack the concept of calling for somebody asking? I, 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 at one point, I think I would have seen it like that. I think these days I receive calling as my relationship with Jesus. Mm. And I think we're all called to uh, create disciples and foster relationship and to love God and to love others. But yeah. I think the way I'm built and the way I'm wired, I think that's my gifting. Yeah. Okay. And so I try to express my gifting through music. And yeah. I think I've been built to do that. Oh, I love that. Express your gifting through music. Okay. Um, I want to know about, so, okay, so this is how you get into music. I want to know how the band formed. So, sure. how, cause at some point in your life, you become a worship pastor and co-founder of a band. Yeah. Um, talk about that journey. Yeah, so we started in college, uh, like I said, Justin University. And um, 10 years ago, actually, um, we started the band and just had that opportunity to do that. I love that it's been 10 years. It's been 10 a years. Decade. A decade. That's together. awesome. It's pretty cool. And so we started writing songs, playing around campus and doing some local things and uh, just kind of fell in love with it. And this point, and I think it's always been the point that our It's just an extension of our relationship with each other. That's cool. So if we never play a note again, I mean, I I hope we do, but um, it's it's just our brotherhood together. Oh, that's so fun. And um, did you guys, like when you started playing together, did you set out to say we'll be banned for a decade or we're just going to do this for fun? Or like what were your dreams and 
at first it was for fun, but because of who we were connected with at school, I think we saw maybe a bigger future for ourselves. Yeah. And so we wanted to lean into that as much as we possibly could. Okay. For young aspiring musicians uh, that either are listening or maybe their parents are listening, Mm. what's a word of advice or wisdom or just something as they're cultivating their own music careers? Play as much as you can Mm. wherever you can. Mm, That's good. Say more about that. Does that mean like don't be picky about where you get asked to play? Just take the opportunity? Sure. I think at first, when you're kind of getting your legs underneath you, every opportunity can be a learning opportunity. Yeah. Everything is not going to be uh, great. I mean, I've played on the back of tractor trailers, <laughs> strawberry farms, cornfields, you name it. We've done it all. That's awesome. Um, but, like, you're just kind of getting your shots up. I love basketball. Yeah. And so for any athletes out there, you yeah. know, it's like you have to get your reps in. Yeah. And so the reps aren't always fun, but they're always helpful for yeah. whatever you need it. Okay. That's so good. All right. Um, let's take another minute. It, and uh, this isn't enough time to talk about you becoming a worship pastor, but where does this enter your like calling and journey as a musician? It's funny. Yeah, I just I kind of stumbled into that, too. I, I grew up in church. My pa- my parents were pastors and they've been pastoring in D.C. for 25 years now. That's awesome. And so just very familiar with church world. And as I was graduating school, it's one of those things like, well, what am I going to do? I need a job. Yeah. And so I, I was familiar with the church world and really felt connected to a church that I was interviewing with. And the Lord just kind of placed me there for a time where I needed to pay bills, but also have the freedom to be a musician and an artist. And so then did you, if you're to categorize yourself, Mm -hmm. are you a musician? Are you a worship pastor? Are you both? Are you, or do you not categorize yourself at all? I tend to call myself a creative. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I like to think that I'm multifaceted in different areas of creativity. Yeah. I love that. Well, Aaron is my worship pastor. You can find and follow him once again. Where, Aaron? At Aaron Andrews, Instagram, Facebook, or Aaron.Andrews on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. You can also come join us at uh, Renewal Church in West Chicago on Sunday mornings and hear Aaron. But stick around. Aaron's actually going to play some music for us when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Aaron's going to play some music for us, yeah. which I'm so excited about. I am going to make, the, I'm going to tease it a little bit, make the people wait, Aaron. Because <laughs> first, I just want you to talk to us about the songwriting process. I am not a musician. I like music a lot. Sure. I enjoy music. If you like told me to write a song, I, especially, I mean, all of it, the, the, the notes and the words. Yeah. And I'm a writer. I don't know. How do you write a song? That's ultimately what I'm trying to say. Yeah. How do you write yeah. a song? It all starts with inspiration okay. or an idea. Okay. And you just kind of go off of that. Yeah. Um, and then you just kind of write what you know. I had a mentor that would always say that to us when yep. we were learning how to write. Write what you know. Yep. And so I've always tried to stick to that. I write what I know and everyth- everything tends to work itself out after that. Okay. And when you're like... So, okay, you you got the, the lyrics are coming to you. You're writing them down in your mm-hmm. cool artistic notebook or whatever you have. It's a dark room candles yeah, exactly, yeah, it's very emo. Exactly. You're wearing a black beret. Yeah. <laughs> um, did the, does melody come first? Do the lyrics come first? Is it sometimes you're like, oh, that one melody I thought of earlier, mm-hmm. that could go. Like, how does that process happen? It really all depends. I think depending on how I'm entering into that songwriting session, mm-hmm. I might just start strumming the guitar, playing the piano. Okay. Or sometimes I'll have a, a melody in my head uh-huh. or sometimes phrases just kind of come to yeah. me. If I know a song needs to be um, 
played out in a certain way, yeah. I'll have certain phrases and I'll just write that down on my phone real okay, quick or gotcha. write it down in yes, my songwriting totally. Book. That's interesting to me as a book writer because mm-hmm. I'll do the same thing. Something will pop into my head and I like go on my voice notes really quick yeah. and just say it or like explore this more or here's a thought or because I don't know. And sometimes I never even go back to it, but mm-hmm. just something about like it just comes and you like don't want to miss that yeah. moment. It's a chase. I think whatever yeah. that inspiration is, you have to be open to chasing that. Totally. And in a chase, it can go anywhere. You can't predict where it's going. Yeah. So you have to be really open-handed on yeah. how that course goes about. I guess that's, yeah. I mean, I'm just realizing this is not <laughs> this is not <laughs> profound, but it's an art, not a science, which yeah. is why that's part of that process. Okay. You're going to play a song for us, but I want you to yeah. set up the song. Why did you write it? What it's about? And then sure. go ahead and play it for us. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm getting my... I don't. I don't think, I don't I think did you did this. mention that. Yeah, I'm getting my master's degree from Judson University woo-hoo, in community woo-hoo. music, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier. I'm actually in grad school right now, getting my master's degree in community woo-hoo. music. Oh, community music. Community music. That's yeah. cool. It's a lot of fun. It's a great program. It's a new program. We're only in our second year now. At Judson. At Judson University. Awesome. Yep. And so one of the things I've been doing throughout the semester, I've been charged to write songs, depending on what's going on. Come on. A big part of our major is just justice and advocating for the marginalized. That's cool. Is that why the degree is community music? Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. And so a lot of my cohorts come from the country of Burma or Myanmar. No way. And so they've been in great controversy for, for a long time. Mm. And we just kind of lamented together as a class, just watching the videos of just like war really in their country. Wow. And so our professor just kind of gave me, he's like, hey, can you just write a song about what's going on? Mm. And just kind of gave me some scripture to reference through that. Uh, so it's kind of a song of lament. Wow. And just trying to process with my friends through uh, what their fellow countrymen are going through mm. right now. Oh, I can't wait to hear it, Aaron. Thanks. Sweet. So there's not titled. It was for school. Okay. So we'll, maybe someone listening can title the song I love that idea. Yeah. Title Aaron's song. You can reach out to us on our social media and let us know. Here we go. Peace, give us your peace, a peace we long to see and hold, give us your hope, a hope we Give us your peace, give us your hope, give us the grace we've been longing for, oh Lord. Peace, give us your peace, a peace we long to see and hold. Give us your hope, a hope we long to know. Let mercy fall like rain, let justice come again. Give us your peace, give us your hope, give us the grace we've been longing for, oh Lord. Oh, mm-hmm. 
stronghold be torn apart. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Unite us, Lord, make us one. Heal our land, heal our hearts. Let every stronghold be torn apart. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Unite us, Lord. Us one. Let mercy fall like rain. Let justice come again. Give us your peace. Give us your hope. Give us the grace we've been longing for. Oh Lord. Dude, woohoo! Erin, that was amazing. Thank number you. one, number two. I'm—I mean, selfishly, I want us to be singing that song at Renewal Church. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Thank you. How did your fellow students respond to that? I, I think my greatest hope is that they'd feel seen. Yeah, and I think—I I think that yeah, what happened. One hundred percent. Because it's one of those things that's not always talked about. Um, yeah. I think a lot, a lot of times we just, we're familiar with our own context and mm-hmm. our own bubble, and sometimes we're not always aware of what's happening around us across yeah. the world. And so, as a friend to them, not just as a classmate, but people I'm doing life with, yeah. like with any relationship I'm in, I want them to feel seen and yeah. known and loved by the people yeah. that's closest to right. Them. Um. You know, you described that song as a lament song because of what's going on. Mm. And um, I, you know, I'm obviously, I'm sure our listeners have heard me talk enough about lament. I'm pretty passionate about it. But wh- mm. what do you think the hesitancy is? Because that song was so beautiful mm. and I think brought so much hope even in the crying out sure. um, for the unrest that's happening. Why are... What is it about us that avoids like going there? Yeah, because grief is hard. Yeah. Sorrow is hard. Yeah. And I think a lot of times in our context, we don't know how to process through that. So if we don't know how to do it, it's hard to make an attempt to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think you look throughout scripture, specifically through the Psalms, and I I reference David a lot, I guess as a musician and as a songwriter, he just kind of resonates. You see him crying out to God in pain and in anguish. and. Uh, but even through that, and you feel the weight of that, he finds a way to like cling on to as much hope as he possibly totally. can do. And um, it's important for us to know how to grieve, yeah, and to just as much as we know how to celebrate as yeah. well. Oh, it's so good. Well, thank you for leading us in yeah. that, Aaron. We've got another song coming up later on in the show. But next up, I'm going to pick Aaron's brain about all these worship song controversies. We're going to have that conversation when we return. What should we sing? Who should we sing? How do we know? That's going to be really fun as a worship pastor. I can't wait to hear what Aaron has to say. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Um, Okay, Aaron, I'm actually so glad you're here as a worship pastor. I want to pick your brain about the philosophy of song picking, song choosing, but here's why. So I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're in these conversations that Brian and I are in all the time, but (laughs) right now in sort of uh, the church world, there's a lot of controversy about uh, whether or not Christians should still sing Hillsong music Ah, because of, you know, some of the things that have come out about their founders and documentaries that are coming out. um, Some of the 
you know, some of the hard things that we've seen in our leaders, but also um, this idea that like the majority of worship songs are coming from maybe five mega churches or labels, what have you. You probably know more about the music industry aspect Mm -hmm. of it than I do, but there's enough crossover that the majority music we're singing is sort of this like... um, uh, Elevation plus Hillsong, maybe a little Bethel. Mm-hmm. You throw in some some other musicians yeah. here and there that yeah. you know you hear all the time. Um, and so the question is, Caitlin, Caitlin Beatty, she's a, a writer, an author. She talks about how um, the church should be done with Hillsong mm-hmm. music for a mm-hmm. variety of these reasons. This is an open ended question, but like, what do you think as a worship pastor? Totally. There's a lot of thoughts that actually come to mind on this topic. Yeah. And I've actually had conversations about this. Have you? Yeah. I think, first of all, the the individuals that have committed sin and wrong, especially towards other brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, should be held accountable. Yeah. And for whatever they've done, that that doesn't need to go un, untalked about or unaddressed or anything mm. like that. I wanted to say that right off the bat. Yeah. Um, in regards to where we're getting our music from... I think there's actually more worship music than there ever has been Hmm. to pull from. I think as worship pastors, we just have to be a little bit more creative in where we're finding on songs. Interesting. I think Bethel and Hillsong tend to be, we sing those songs at renewal, full disclosure. totally. Um, But I think sometimes those songs can be uh, low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Uh, There's so much to glean back from. Also, there's hundreds of years worth of church history of songs that we can Mm. sing. Uh, We've started this tradition, although we didn't do it this past Sunday, uh, for every child dedication, we sing Because He Lives. I love when we do that. But you sang All Hail King Jesus on Sunday. So I feel like that's in the same. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that was a beautiful moment. Yeah. But I think as worship pastors, if we're caring about the songs and the words that are coming from the lips of our fellow uh, believers and yeah. uh, church people, I think we need to do the job of finding music mm. from different spaces, from people who don't look like us mm. as well. I think it's really powerful. That's good. I, I grew up in a tradition which was very Caribbean in nature. Yeah. So a lot of the songs or choruses, as we call them, um, was very attached to our upbringing and our culture. That's cool. And it, that shaped a lot of who I am today as yeah. a musician and as a, as a worship pastor. And so I think we just have to do the hard work. And actually, it's not that hard, but we need to do the work to find. Because it's easy to pick the... And they are good songs. There, there's the some songs. great songs. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, theologically rich songs. Oh, Praise the Name. Yeah. It's a very beautiful song. Mm. It just tells a very beautiful narrative of the mm. gospel story. Yeah. And, and that's a Hillsong tune. Yeah. Um, and, but I think there's so much, so much more we can be doing doing to find uh, music in different spaces. Okay, let me ask you a couple questions based on Caitlin B. Again, she I'm trying to think of all the places she writes. She writes for, I think, the New York Times. She writes for some other places. She's an mm-hmm. author. She's asking kind of the age-old question, like, can you separate the art from the artist? Sure. Sort of like, can you still listen to Michael Jackson, essentially? Sure. Yeah. Thoughts on that, just as yeah. a musician and worship pastor? What, what do you think? It's a hard question to answer. Yeah, I think... One, I don't think there should be any shame around anyone who doesn't think they could sing Hillsong or Belt the Songs okay. anymore. If they okay. feel that conviction, okay. I think you should listen to whatever the Holy Spirit's saying. Mm, that's good. I would also say if that's a stipulation, then we probably shouldn't be reading the Bible. <laughs> I was, <laughs> wow. I was, we were talking about David earlier in the yeah. Psalms and David committed adultery, yep. had that woman's husband murdered, yep. and 
God still calls him the man after my own yeah, heart. Yeah, wow. And none of us are without mm. sin, sin, or yeah. sin or shame. That doesn't mean there's not consequences or accountability for our actions. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think there's space to do that if you feel like you can. Yeah. And I'm of the mind that all truth is God's truth, mm. if that's absolute. Yeah. And I don't want to rob our people of singing truth on a Sunday morning. Wow. Wow, Aaron. Okay. Uh, what about the money issue? Like, okay, here's what Caitlin says. If yeah. your church licenses Hillsong music for worship, you are one branch of the Hillsong tree, whether or not your average church goer knows it. She says, in my view, that tree is now so diseased and unhealthy that it must be felled. So she has strong feelings about this. Um, basically, she says every time your church licenses a Hillsong song for use in corporate worship, the Hillsong Enterprise receives payment. On an individual church level, that's not a lot. But if 30 million churches are still shouting, are still singing shout to the Lord, that adds up to <laughs> a pretty song. penny. Essentially, I know that is a good song. <laughs> Essentially, she's just talking about the money behind sure. the system, behind the, the worship. Do you have thoughts on that? I mean, can yeah. you? As a songwriter, yeah, um, I think songwriters should be paid for the songs mm. that they've written. Whether for the, like you talk about some of the great cathedrals in the world yeah. and all the artists that were commissioned to create this beautiful art mm. for spaces that people worship God in every single week, mm. and those people were um, they earned um, the money from the work that they did, and I think God blesses that in a way too. Um, and so I pay the writers and that's this, good, Aaron, this might be a little bit of privilege and information just because of, you know, people I know who are in music. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, th- I know people who have worked with some of the Hillsong people yeah. and they've walked in. It's like, I, I don't want to like these people. And, yeah. But those so same Hillsong people that would stay after concerts, praying with people. I'm telling you. Yeah. Picking up trash. Yeah. Going into the community, spending time yeah. with local people. Yeah. And I also don't want to rob those people of the work that God's called them to <laughs> right. do either. So it's a complicated question. I think it is complicated. And this is it. It does. It does change the game when there's real relationships involved. Like, Absolutely. I think it's very easy to kind of put your hand out and go, no, no, no. Hillsong, Hillsong. Well, sure. I happen to have a mentor who's a female who was pretty involved at Hillsong, came up in out of Hillsong. And like, she's one of the most faithful women I've ever met in my life. Absolutely. And so I'm not going to like, quote, cancel her because of some of these things about Hillsong. But it is complicated, right? Because you're like, well, is it a stumbling block then to somebody? I I think I appreciate your perspective because I don't Mm -hmm. think it's as easy as just like no Hillsong forever. Also, as worship pastors and as leaders, I think that's an opportunity for if we know there's people that have issues with this, Mm -hmm. this is an opportunity for us to love with them. Oh, that's good. And to walk with them through whatever insecurities or doubts or real frustrations that they have with Mm. these topics. Um, it's it's a just great opportunity for us mm, to pastor those people well. That's so good. Okay, one more question. Just generally, as a worship pastor, how do you pick the songs every Sunday? Like, what are you thinking about? Do you have um, a philosophy, I guess, of like music? No, sometimes <laughs> so it, it goes either two ways. It's usually what is it, whatever's on our programming calendar. <laughs> Or it's yeah, selfishly whatever I feel like I need to sing that Sunday. Oh, just, interesting. Like for your own soul? There's, there's, this doesn't happen often, but yeah. sometimes I walk into a week, I'm just like, I'm carrying something. Mm. And selfishly, I just need to sing this on Sunday. Yeah. And Or is it like, maybe it's not selfish, maybe it's like prophetic for other people. It usually is. Yeah. It's usually those Sundays people walk up to me, it's like, hey, I just really needed to hear that. Totally. I I know that's happened because I've borne yeah. witness to that happening. Absolutely. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we get to hear Aaron 
and play one more song and hear all about it when we return. Be sure to stick around. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.